This is an Ace Radio podcast. Welcome to the Women of Influence special series, 100 Women in 100 Days, celebrating strong, resilient women from all walks of life. Here's Kate with today's episode. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Ashley, I was looking through your body of work and I normally, hands down, do not ask this question, but I think it helps set the scene for us all. How old are you? I will be 27 next month. Could you have not crammed more in to the 26 years that you have been on this side of the earth than you have right now? What is driving you? What is it? Uh, passion. I'm really passionate about making change and making a better world. And I have to admit, sometimes it's anger yeah. and how you look at injustice and and feel that feel that anger and feel that annoyance but pause think about it and use it to do something constructive so i'm imagining and and i'm looking for your moment that you were like that's it i've got to do something about this but i'm imagining that something happened to you whether it was at school or in a work situation or something happened and for whatever reason either because you were a female or because of your age you were told nah all good thanks or what was it that happened that catapulted you to go you know what this stuff isn't okay and I'm going to use my voice I was really fortunate to grow up in a family where we traveled a lot so we moved to Australia when I was four my parents are both very much international citizens And before I was born, they lived in South Africa. So when I was 11 and my sister was nine, uh, they took us to South Africa for Christmas. And on Christmas day, 2005, I found myself standing in a township in Soweto, which stands for the Southwestern Township and it's the largest township or perhaps more commonly known as a slum area in Johannesburg. And again, reflecting, I've had a, a very privileged upbringing It was the first time that I came face to face with extreme poverty and particularly being Christmas day, I felt deeply, deeply uncomfortable in that moment. I'd woken up that morning, like very typical kid. I'd received presents. I'd had a great breakfast. And then we had traveled to Soweto to give out a few Christmas presents and, and connect with the community and in that moment I, I made a very conscious decision that I was not comfortable with a world where such extremes existed and I made a very conscious decision that I wanted to spend the rest of my life being part of that change and trying to close this inequality gap so that has framed and driven everything that I have done since. Was do what do you think that that was almost part of mum and dad's plan for you to see and experience this or do you think you were very much built then to go wait a minute I can't I can't go through this my world I can't go through my lifetime ignoring this um, it's a really good question I've never asked them actually maybe I will um my my dad grew up in Jamaica so in a developing country my mum grew up in the UK so they've always been quite interested in in the world and, and really being global citizens so in no small part I think 
they probably did intend it to be a very big learning piece and obviously being in South Africa there's a lot of history so we spent a lot of time doing things like going to the apartheid museum and we were always raised with that narrative of you have to give back even if you don't think you have something to give we are in a position to give back so I was raised in a family where volunteering was the norm and we'd have conversations about issues that mattered we never shied away from uncomfortable topics People can't see me, but I just put my hand on my heart because (laughs) to grow up in a family where volunteering is a thing and also to understand, to give back. I I think as an adult now, I I say um, when you can do. Sometimes throughout our journeys, we can't always volunteer everything that we'd like to do, but you do what you can when you can, you know, and be conscious of that impact. Hey, you talked about anger. Sometimes, how do you keep on top of like when you're like, it's it's almost too big of a problem? How do you bring it back into narrowly focusing on, okay, well, the one change I can affect today, the one action that I will implement today will help move this wheel a little bit further? How do you control all of that? This is a very poignant question because as we're recording, there is still a very prominent story in the news media about. Uh, a sexual assault case and I I won't say more than that because we haven't put a content warning on it Um, and I do I do feel really angry almost paralyzingly angry but I think it's being able to to stop yourself in that moment and try and think about where the anger comes from and the anger comes from again this perceived sense of injustice being able to connect with other people who are feeling similarly angry and then ask yourself the questions of what change needs to happen what change am I actually best placed to make? What change am I as Ashley Streeter Jones with my knowledge, my contacts, my resources? What can I start to affect? And you know what? It might just be as simple as having a conversation or sharing something on social media, just anything that shifts someone's perspective a little bit more towards being perhaps a more constructive one. Um, or sometimes it might be much bigger. Hey, let's organize a big event. Let's let's do something really monumental. But I think it's having that perspective of stopping and going, okay, what what is the most constructive thing that I can do right now? When I, I notice something when I speak to people that are driven and passionate, and so I'm curious with you, are you taking time to reflect very often? Because I feel like when I speak to people like you, so I I identify, by the way, with you, it's go, go, push hard. And I'm looking at the youngest ever ACT Woman of the Year, listed Forbes 30 under 30 list, like all these things. Are you taking a moment, you know, so you don't burn out either? Like, so are you taking, okay, we made real impact today or this month or with with this team? Yes, I I stop and I reflect very often. And part of that, I think, is deciding, again, what is the most constructive way for me to work towards the change I want to make? And I've definitely learned by doing things the wrong way. I've definitely been in situations where we were doing something and I thought, oh, actually, this is not the way that I want to make change. There's lots of ways to do this, but what we're doing right now doesn't actually align with my values anymore. So yep, there are still ways to get to that end goal, but actually I don't think this is the one for me. And you only make those sort of decisions and realizations by stopping and reflecting, by having that self-awareness, again, by 
knowing what what your values are and i use a very values-based decision-making framework um, and the times when I feel most uncomfortable are when I'm doing something that doesn't align with my values. So when I start feeling that discomfort, uh, I do have to stop myself and go, okay, where is this coming from? Let's pinpoint that and what what do I need to, to change to also be as effective as I can be. It's a grating, isn't it? It's like a friction, friction thing that um, starts to happen and, and you start to feel a bit lost and a bit, we have to be very, very careful to be listening for those because they can be quite, quiet at the beginning can't they and then all of a sudden they're loud friction and then it's why do I feel like I'm completely off path absolutely yeah yeah it can be it can be very quiet and it can be very loud so why not politics for you or is it still on the cards because I look at your resume here and I I look at the organizations that you're working with or either connected to and we're talking about the United Nations type of connections here politics <laughs> Look, I'm not going to lie. This is a question I do get asked fairly frequently. Again, reflecting on that, what's the best way for me to make change at this point in time? I don't look at the political system and see it as the best place for me to make that change. It's not saying it's not the best place for others. And I, I guess the irony in that is that a lot of the work I do is trying to get more young women in particular and young people from diverse backgrounds to go into politics but for what I want to do and what I want to achieve, I'm just not sure that having that seat in office at this point in time is the best way to achieve those outcomes. So the idea of running for office actually terrifies me to my core, but I wouldn't I wouldn't definitively rule it out, but I can confirm it's definitely not on my to-do list. When you talk about what you want to achieve, what is it that you want to achieve? If you were to lay out in... Um, a one-word sentence snapshot, Ashley, this is who I am, this is what I want to see done. What is that? A public decision-making system which accurately reflects Australia's population. Wow. Have you been asked that before? Or, by the way, because that's the byline of your book, your... <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I'm, look, this, this has shifted over time and I think is again as we go through life and we have different experiences our understanding of problems changes and as it as it should if your perspectives stood still and you still heard held the same views that you had 10 years ago something's probably gone a little bit wrong along the way so I do think it's a good thing to change our our aims and our perspectives as we grow and for right now with the experience I've had and reflecting on even the year we've had with COVID we really need decisions being made by our largest system in the country, being our government and our politics, to be made in our best interests. Now, we know we still have a gender problem, and this goes for, again, all levels of government as well. No government has ticked this off. Uh, so that's applicable in terms of gender, in terms of race, in terms of First Nations populations, persons with disability. How can these people who don't understand our experiences be, actually be making policy in our best interests? I really believe in the principle of no decision, no decisions about us without us. Yep. And people from all backgrounds need to have a seat at the table where decisions being made that impact their livelihoods. So, Ashley, I'm about 12 years older than you and I get bloody excited <laughs> when I hear you speak. And that is simply because I just go, 
how can we further create more opportunities for more voices like yours to be heard? How important is it for you to do the work out in the community? Because at the moment we've been talking about you and your goals and what you want to do. How important has it been to find your people, like-minded people that are on the same mission? So important. And I, I think something we don't talk about enough is that change making can be intensely lonely. And I'm not going to lie, it is something that I do feel incredibly lonely and isolating at times because while you can be part of this really big group of like-minded people and that is so magical to find, when you're the person who's sitting down and trying to run a campaign or design a solution to something, you can very much be on your own wavelength because sometimes you need to define a vision before you look to bring other people in. And that process can be intensely isolating Um, That being said, we are so fortunate to live in a good democratic society and movement building is one of the most important things we can do to create change. I was listening to a podcast of one's own a couple of weeks ago, the interview that Julia Gillard did with Clementine Ford, and Clem summed up something so well that I've been thinking about, and that's the notion that we're all voices singing in a choir. And also sometimes for whatever circumstance, whatever life throws at you, you need to stop singing for a bit. But it's okay because there's this choir of people who's still still hitting those notes, still moving things forward. And I think change making is like being a singer in a choir. You need to be doing it with other people. And you also need to recognize that if you don't build sustainability into what you do, if it's a single person point of failure and everything relies on you, you are not going to create good change. Sustainability needs to run through everything you do. And a big part of that is being part of that choir. Among your list of achievements, I saw the Canberra Women's March. I looked up, there was there was so much in uh, getting to know you in the prep for this. But I just wondered from you, what was one of your moments where you sat back and went, I'm so proud of this. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot to choose from. I'm just really choosing one, but what what was it for you that you went, yeah, really happy with that? In terms of like either work. large event or or making impact one on one, like what we we all I think have a little I call them heart whispers. Um, oh. So when you are asked a question, you know, sometimes it's very big to say it out loud. But I was really proud of myself when I did this. I was really proud when we did the the first Girls Takeover Parliament and we had so many young women come into the halls of Parliament and take over the office of a politician for a day. Um, that was a really big moment of, yeah, I think, I think we're onto something here and people are starting to have the conversations we want them to have. But I have to say, I get those moments probably more from from the one-on-one. So for example, last year for, the organi- for my organization, Raise Our Voice Australia, did a pilot training program to test this idea of what would a training program look like to get more young women and non-binary people into this public decision-making space. And about six weeks after the conclusion, one of the participants messaged me and she said, look, I'm applying for a job at an embassy And I wouldn't have had the confidence to do it had I not done your program. So thank you so much. And also, you know, do you mind proofreading my application? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Proofread it, sent it back to her. And I got a message two weeks later saying she'd got the job. Yeah. And that sort of stuff, it really is. You can look at it in terms of 
numbers and go, yeah, we have impacted X number of people, but it's actually the personal stories where somebody comes to you and goes, I did this because, yeah. and sometimes it might be a comment that you don't even remember making, yeah. but those little things that stick with people. And it can be so interesting to actually reflect on what resonates with people sometimes as well. So you don't always get that feedback, but when you do, oh, it's just, it's so heartwarming. And I love that because one day she will be in a position and when she can, when the time is right, she will remember you when another young woman comes and says, could you please provide a resume check or a reference or a, a something? And she will say, yes, I will do that for you. And you know, and this is part of the, we raise each other up, right? This is what it's about. And which kind of leads us to raise our voice Australia. So let's get into it. So it's a training program to boost the presence of young female and non-binary voices in public decision making. Well, that's not a bad goal. So what <laughs> vision statement, not a goal. This is a vision and it's very clear. So um, are you getting funding for this? You sat down at the table one night and said, hey, mum and dad, I'm going to go do this thing. Uh, okay. <laughs> how, are you, how are you going with it? Where's it at? Uh, look, I'll be really honest. Um, from what I've learned of eight years of working in the volunteer sector, I'm very good at making something out of nothing but when I say nothing that resource is my time and my emotional energy so I had a big crash a big burnout crash on the other side of running the program and it was that real moment of actually you know what I want to break this cycle I've been in this crummy burnout cycle for so many years let's focus on sustainability because I don't want to keep doing this anymore I don't like who I am when I'm burnt out I want to be a good friend a good partner a good daughter a good employee a good change maker yeah. I can't do that when I'm burnt out. Yeah. So, how do you how do you do that? Because I would love to know that. I know no way other than flat out or off. Flat out or off. <laughs> I'm the same and unfortunately I do think burnout is an occupational hazard of, of being a passionate person. Um, for me I try and come back to what really fills up my cup. And my partner's a psychologist, so I am actually in oh. pretty, pretty good hands. Um <laughs> But I've taken a fair amount of time to really stop, look at the impact measurement, look at people's feedback and go, okay, has this worked? I think the answer is yes, but I think it's only part of the problem. When we talk about big systemic change, I don't think the problem is women or is young people. We constantly talk about all these extra things that women need to do. We need to lean in. We need to do more training. We need to be mentored. We need to do this bucket list of activities. And I just don't think we are the problem. No. The problem is the system that looks at competent women and goes, yeah, you know what? If you give it a couple more years, maybe you'll be in with a shot. Yeah. Yep. Yep. How do we get this bottom up in doing the training program, but actually this top down where we're looking to change the face of leadership, create spaces for people to come in and we're creating pathways. Mm. I'm not the first person to run a training program. I won't be the last person to run a training program, but for whatever reason, the training programs haven't been enough. So I think we need to stop and, and have these conversations about how we can also do this from a top-down perspective. So I also have a full-time job. I'm sitting very much in a space of doing research, trying to build a team. Again, that's sustainability. Mm. Think about the financial side, but it's hard. It's yeah. hard doing these things kind of on your own. I do, I do have a team member that I work with, but 
I'm tired and I also, you know, I don't, I don't want to spend the year being burnt out, but I'm also very risk averse. So I get stuck in this headspace of, oh, but what if it doesn't go right? And sometimes you just need to shut your eyes and just do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, a huge believer of that. If I can advocate against anything, it's it's go with it. It will fall in its place as we go. <laughs> Let's get going to it. And I love that you've brought up something that, you know, I was speaking uh, about with a work colleague just yesterday. So literally 24 hours ago was saying to her, you know, I feel like there's something wrong with my messaging. There must be something wrong with my messaging because it appears like they just think I talk on a microphone. But, um, you know, I went and studied masters in media and communication and I'm, I've studied management and run a company with 28 people and built a, built a big festival and then turned over, you know, millions of dollars. Hmm. You know, I don't need to justify I actually know. (laughs) And this is part of what you're doing, isn't it? It's kind of like saying, actually, I know I'm actually more than qualified for this. No, no, I don't need to wait two years. I don't need to wait. You know, do you value me and what I can contribute? And if you don't, okay, cool. And that's when people start. This is how people lose. Great companies start to lose people, right? I couldn't agree more. I think too many companies, governments, whoever it is, don't actually know what to do with talented people. Or they have this idea, first of all, the idea of the meritocracy, which we know we know is dead. Um, and the second is this idea that particularly young people or women just don't add the right value. But then you have to ask yourself, well, how are you defining value? What are all these things that you are missing out on because of this really rigid idea of what value looks like or what success looks like? why don't you value the diversity of opinion? We have all these conversations about the private sector and there's all this research about diversity on boards and in senior management and profits, but none of that has translated to the public sector. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And yet the public sector is, again, the largest decision-making body in our country. So why can we have this conversation in, in space A but not in space B? Mm. Yeah, yeah, now I'm getting real fired up. <laughs> now you're, you're touching all my points, you see. This is what I say. And, you know, and I say, please don't ever look at a woman when she puts her hand up for either a raise or a promotion or, or to take on another portfolio. Well, how is she going to manage that? How will yeah. she possibly, oh. you know, she's got children or how will she do it? And then, I mean, I, I had to. I didn't bite my tongue, Ashley. <laughs> didn't bite my tongue recently. And I said, well, hang on a second. Some of our blokes have three or four portfolios. <laughs> and you know what? Don't bite your tongue. No. <laughs> we, have ad- like, we have to advocate. And if you're not going to say it, who I is? can't. And I think this is what where you're at too. I can no longer live a life where I bite my tongue because if I bite my tongue... The woman that is coming through 10 years behind her, I'm leaving her where I am. So I need to lift you up and, you know, like make it better for you coming through. And then my daughter coming after you, you know, like that's, I think, our responsibility. I feel like that's what's, you know, behind all of this. It's just continuously moving that rock. Yes. And particularly, you know, as white women, we need to think about feminism bringing all women along. Uh So we use the platforms that we have to 
make spaces and amplify those voices. We don't we don't need to speak for women of color. They've got voices. Absolutely. We need to support the platform and amplify that and actually stop and listen as well. Really listen to what people are saying and then act on it. Pull people up. I'm super conscious of your time. I know that we're back to back for you. You've got other people that you have to catch up with today. So I would quickly ask you, who is someone that you think, Kate, you have to speak to this person within your world, a contact that you know that you're like, you know what, she's doing an amazing, amazing job. Because what I'm finding through showcasing 100 women in 100 days is we hit stop on the record, you know, on the button. And then all of a sudden our amazing guest says, oh, You've got to talk to blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so I would rather hear that now. I'd rather share that now. So who do you, who are you like? She's she's badass. <laughs> you don't need to talk to her. Uh, I actually keep a list. Um, oh. So when I get asked to do speaking, speaking gigs in particular, my condition is that I don't participate on all white panels anymore. Yep. So often because I get asked, well, who, who can we ask? I've got a pretty comprehensive list of badass people that I love putting forward, but... <laughs> For the sake of keeping it brief, um, I'll just give you two names, Maria Muhammad and Mikara Ramsing. Great. Both incredible, incredible advocates, incredible women, incredible friends. Um, oh, they're incredible. Yeah, <laughs> fantastic. Well, you know what I'll be doing this afternoon, don't you? <laughs> and this is how this is how it works. So, Ashley, thank you so much for sharing with us. Um, we've just really scratched the surface, but not only are you one to watch, but you are someone to follow, absolutely follow your work. So thank you. Thank you, Kate. My day is so much better for starting it with a great conversation with another badass woman. So thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes I don't really talk like that. And every now and again, it just comes out. I get a bit low. <laughs> I think like, you got me all fired up. I think that's what happened. And I was like, she cannot be in her 20s and put up with the bullshit. She can't do it. <laughs> No more. It's not going to happen. Well, here's to the change. Thanks for listening. Loved the episode? Like and review us on your favourite podcast app and share with your friends on social media. Want to nominate? That's great. Hit us up with your nomination at aceradio.com.au and don't forget to join us in the Women of Influence Facebook group for all the behind-the-scenes action.